Hallelujah. In 1 John chapter 2, we're going to be beginning in verse number 15. The Lord sets up a dichotomy here between the world and himself. When God made the world, he said it was good. And then sin entered into the world. And death, by, and death came in on the heels of sin. And ever since that time, whenever Adam and Eve sinned, our world has been corrupt. And not only corrupt, but it's been antagonistic towards God. One of the things that we see in the holiday season is a, 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 a rise in our emotions. Sometimes our emotions go to the left. Sometimes they go to the right. Sometimes we remember Christmases for 40 years ago. And then others of us just get so consumer-minded that we lose the reason for the season. And any time you come up into any kind of holiday or celebration or annual event, our hearts are very likely to drift into our emotions or into materialistic things. And God has set up this dichotomy between himself and the world here in the word, which is contrary to a lot of the things that we're taught in American Christianity. American Christianity is you can keep all of the material things just Sign this card, join this church, get on the serve team, join the choir, and all will be well. But the reality is that doesn't change us on the inside. If we, if we give ourselves over to the world, we cannot at the same time experience the soul-changing power of God Almighty. God is not going to change someone who is still full of the flesh and the world, as you'll see in this message. Sometimes we wonder, well, why am I having these problems? Why am I doing this? And why am I doing that? And I, I think back about a message I heard from Brother Clendenum, who, uh, you know, that spoke this. He said, you know what? Back in the day, he said, we used to preach the truth that the flesh needs to be crucified unto God. He said, today's church just counsels the flesh. We don't preach that the flesh needs to be crucified. All we do today is counsel the flesh and say, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay, but it will never be okay until our flesh gets crucified unto God. And that is the leading problem in so many of our lives is because we're trying to play on both sides of the fence with a dualistic nature towards God, having the Spirit on Sunday and the flesh on Friday, and God's not going to be mocked. If we sow to the flesh, we will reap corruption, as you'll see in Galatians 6. But if we sow to the Spirit, God is not going to withhold His Spirit. If we give ourselves over to Him, He will pour out life everlasting into our souls. But so many of us, have we get adrift, especially around hard seasons of life. When you lose a job, it's really easy to get materialistic about the things that you need. Or when you go through high crises of life, it's very hard to, to just navigate through that without the Lord's help. But the answer to all those things is to crucify the flesh and turn it over to God. And the Holy Ghost can do what we cannot do. The Holy Ghost can instill what man cannot counsel. The Holy Ghost can help what man can't touch. God can move a mountain in a minute when a man can't do anything for it except give you a rose. God will give you healing. Amen. So 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. 
If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now that's called a dichotomy. That, that just means that the Lord is painting a difference between the things of this world and the things of God. That shows you right there that there is a difference between these things. What are the things of the world? Look at the next verse. He said, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. You've got the things that are of the flesh, the eyes, and the pride of life. In other words, these are the things that you can see with your natural eye and feel with your natural hands. And these are the emotions that arise naturally in our hearts. These are the naturalistic ways. And sometimes people tell me, well, that's just the way I was born. That's just who I am naturally. And I say, no, that's who you are sinfully. That's not who you are in Christ. When you can, you can substitute that word naturally with sinfully. That's who you are in the flesh. That's your sinful nature. But in Christ, all things are new. All things are new in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter if you were born into an alcoholic family. You don't have to be an alcoholic. It doesn't matter what the kind of past is. Once you come to the cross, listen to me. Once you come to the cross, all the chains are broken. God's not going to let you stay wrapped up in a demonic chain when you go to that cross and crucify that flesh and surrender all. God will cleanse you of all that has defiled you and He will give you new life. Now in that moment we have a, 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 an issue because so many times we begin to start out right and then we, we don't understand sometimes we still live in the flesh but we have to keep the flesh crucified. Many of God's saints battled the same battle that we do. In fact, everybody that's ever lived battles this battle. Amen? Let me show you something in, in Galatians, if you will. Turn over to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter number 5. Loving the things of the world will only empty our hearts and set us against God. When you begin to love the things of the world, one, of, one thing that happens is that God is a jealous God. The Bible tells us that God is a jealous God. Amen? And when you begin to set your heart on things, God's jealous. And God will rob you. Listen, He will rob you from that thing satisfying you. He will not allow you to be satisfied by the things of the world. He will not allow you to be filled with those things and find satisfaction. I'm going to show you this in a little bit. It doesn't matter how many cars you have, you'll never have enough. They'll always come out with a new one. They'll always come out with a new color. They'll always come out with a new model. It doesn't matter how many iPhones you have. They're always going to come out with another one. Because the things of the world will never satisfy the soul. And if you, listen, if you give yourself over to those corrupt things, you cannot at the same time please God. You cannot love the things of the world and love God. You are going to have to choose whom you will love and whom you will serve. And I love how Joshua said it. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
And all of us have to come to those places where we say, you know what, I'm going to turn off that. I'm going to turn off the TV, right? When you get tired of what, I've got to turn that off. Well, the same thing with the passions of the flesh. You've got to come to that place where you realize, you know what, it's time for me to push that plate away. It's time for me to turn that TV off. I've been, you know what, I've been getting too consumed with what model of iPhone's coming out, and I've lost my heart for God. I've lost my heart for worship. I've lost my desire to be with Him in that private place of prayer in my prayer closet. I have lost it because you can't have it both. God said that if you love the things of the world, you become an enemy to Him. You cannot love both the world and God at the same time. Choose whom you'll love. Choose whom you'll serve. The, the, the flesh, though, when you begin to dive into those things, the flesh begins to get aroused and awakened, and there's no bottom to it. I told you earlier that God's jealous, and He will rob you of that thing satisfying you. If you begin to love, listen, if you begin to love your spouse more than God, God will make sure that that spouse never satisfies your heart. If you begin to love money more than you love God, God will make sure that you never have enough. If you begin to love anything more than God, you've done set yourself up in opposition to the Almighty. And I promise you, the Almighty wins. He's never lost a battle. He's still batting a thousand He's come on now. He's still batting a thousand. God's never lost a battle, so it doesn't do any good to fight him and resist him. The best thing we can do is say yes to him, bow down on our knees and say, yes, please, Lord, take this flesh from me and give me a new heart. Give me a new mind. Renew a right spirit within me. Cleanse me. Renew me, God. I need a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. Paul said, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Amen? And that word means be ever being filled. you gotta, you got to understand that the world will try to drain everything that God puts in you. So you've got to go back to God and say, Lord, I need to be filled again. Amen? Galatians chapter 5, look in verse number 16. Galatians chapter 5, look at verse number 16. It says, this I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. The Bible here makes a clear difference between the things of the flesh and the things of the Spirit. And, and you're always going to have to resist the things of the flesh. From now till Jesus calls you home. You are in flesh, but the flesh loses every time the Spirit is surrendered to God. Every time you crucify that flesh unto God and you give yourself to God, the flesh loses. There is no addiction, there's no battle, there's no longing of this flesh that God cannot defeat if you'll give it over to Him. And that's what Brother Clendenham was talking about. He said, you know, back in the day, they used to preach, take that flesh and be crucified unto God. But today's church just teaches that we got to counsel that flesh. 
And there's the problem. And that's why we don't see the power at work in the church anymore. That's why we don't see God moving in our services anymore. That's why we have 15-minute sermonettes and we have cute thises and cute thats because we don't teach people how to crucify that flesh unto God and be made new and no longer be held back by the things of the world, no longer be held back by the things of the flesh, but to walk as a new creature in Christ Jesus. God's desire is that we walk as free people. He Look, He went to that cross to set you free, to save your soul, set you free, and send you the Holy Ghost. God's desire is that we get saved, that we get set free, and that we walk in the power of the Holy Ghost. That's God's desire. And if you are alive and have a pulse, you have an opportunity to be saved, set free, and filled with the Holy Ghost because that's what God wants for you. That is God's will for your life. God is not a derelict father. He doesn't pick favorites. He offers himself freely and fully to each and every one of us. And God wants you to be free. God doesn't want you to be bound by the flesh. There's a cost to the flesh. I just said earlier, we started out just to show you there's a separation because you cannot love the things of the world and God at the same time. You, you, you know, sometimes, especially like I said at Christmas season, but even these younger kids, you can begin to love, you can begin to long for the things of the world. This spouse and this job and this money and this house and this that. And you can begin to drift away from God's heart for your life. And when you do, understand God's jealous. And He will not allow that to go well for you. He will not allow that to go well for you. He's jealous for you. He's jealous for you. Amen. So turn with me, if you will, to Ecclesiastes. I'll show you something over here. Ecclesiastes. It's right after Proverbs. Ecclesiastes, we're going to go to chapter number one. Now, Ecclesiastes is, a, is, is an awesome book written by Solomon, who we're actually going to be talking about tonight. Solomon was a mighty man of God, filled with all kinds of wisdom. Let's read what he says here. Now, there's a couple of things in the Bible that, that, that God tells us are never full. Right? Sometimes if you've ever fed like a, 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 a young kid, you think they're never going to get full. You just keep feeding them and feeding them feeding them. But the, but the Bible says one thing will never be full, and that is hell. Hell enlarges itself. In other words, hell's never satisfied destroying lives. Each person that, that turns away from God, hell will make room for. It enlarges itself every time. It's never satisfied with how many people are there. It is ever looking to bring more people down into its fiery flames for eternity. Hell is never full. It will enlarge itself for every person that rejects the cross and rejects Jesus. But here, Solomon keys in on two other things that are not full. Look at this. It says in verse number 8, all things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. The, the eye can never see enough, and the ear can never hear enough. 
In other words, what he's saying here is that the flesh can never be satisfied. There's no possibility. If, if you begin to love the things of the world, those, those things will always elude your grasp. You'll never be satisfied with a, with a TV because then you'll need a bigger one. You'll never be satisfied with how much money you got in your savings account because you'll always be panicked about more being in there. You'll never be satisfied with this, that, or the other. If you begin to arouse the things of the flesh, it will not satisfy your soul because the eye is never satisfied and the ear can never stop hearing. The, the, the flesh, our carnal nature, is never satisfied. This carnal nature that we're in right now has to go to the ground because it can never be satisfied. It is opposed to God, just like this world. The spirit that is inside you, that is what will go up to heaven. We will lay down our bodies. Some of us will go six feet under and some of us will just fall apart when the rapture happens. But we're all going to rise in glorified bodies. This carnal body has to be laid down though because this carnal house is never satisfied. If you begin to err away from God and you begin to fill yourself with the things of the flesh, understand the devil is leading you away from God who loves you. Understand that the devil is leading you away from your hope of freedom. No matter how hard you try to walk in the Spirit, if you look for the things of the flesh, you'll always wreck. God will not allow you to play both sides of the fence. It said earlier that if you love the things of the world, you become an enemy of God. Then we read in Galatians chapter 5 that you cannot walk in the Spirit and fulfill the things of the flesh. Just as Joshua said, we've got to choose whom will serve ourselves. What we want, our ears, our eyes, or God. But we cannot feel both. And the thing is, is that our flesh will never be satisfied. In fact, it not only will never be satisfied, it, it will lead you astray, it will lead you away from the heart of God, and not only that, it'll always be hollow. You know what I mean by that? It'll always be hollow. Have you ever won a hollow prize? Like you wanted it so bad, you wanted it so bad, and then you got it, and you thought, that's nothing. Why did I, why did I want that so bad? It's like when you know a kid wants those prizes in the quarter machine. Oh, it looks so pretty on the outside. It's all colorful. It looks so pretty. Oh, I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. And you finally give them a quarter, and they get it, and it breaks apart while they're even opening it. That's what I wanted so bad? But that's how it is with us. When, the, when we give ourselves over to the passions of this world, they'll ne not only will they never satisfy, but whatever you get your hands on will be hollow. Will be hollow. You see, you begin to put, you begin to put a, a, a man or a woman above God, guess what? That relationship will never satisfy your soul. You begin to put any materialistic thing above God, Look, we're supposed to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. He's not going to be second place. He's not going to be second place. He's not runner-up to anyone. He's second to none. He is the Lord God omnipotent, and He still rules and reigns. 
and he commands our allegiance, he commands our love, and if we're going to belong to him, we will not serve this world. If we're going to be His, we're going to have to be crucified to this flesh because this flesh is never satisfied and it will lead you astray. You'll begin to think things you shouldn't think, do things you shouldn't do, and go back to places you shouldn't be going back to. Now Solomon wrote this. God authored it. Solomon penned it. The Holy Spirit moved on Solomon to pen this. He knew what he was talking about. He went down this road. He went down this road many of us have gone down. He went down this same road. I believe as he looked back over his life, he started out with a lot of wisdom. He fell hard. He fell hard. And and how many of you know that it's one thing to have wisdom, it's another thing to apply that wisdom. It's one thing to know to do the right thing, it's another thing to do it at the right time. Come on. You, you can teach a monkey how to pull the cord on a parachute. But you got to have wisdom to know when to pull that thing. Because if you pull that cord while you're still in the airplane, you're going to have a problem. Here's the thing. Solomon, he knew this. Let me, let me show you this. Turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 11. Let me show you what happened to Solomon over here. 1 Kings chapter 11. So after 1st and 2nd Samuel, before 1st and 2nd Chronicles, I'm going to go to 1st Kings chapter 11, a sandwich right there. And we're going to go down to verse number 1. You know, Solomon, he started out right. He started out, God said, I'll give you anything. You are David's son. He promised David to always have someone on the throne. As long as his family served him, God would keep him on the throne. God's promises are always conditional. Always remember that. One of the best Bible studies you can do is find the if-then conditional promises of God. But God said, if your family will serve me, you know, I'll keep you on there. Solomon raised up. David passes away. And God says, if you ask me anything, I'll give it to you. And Solomon asked for wisdom to lead the people of God. And God, you know, God was impressed with that. God was pleased with that. God said, because you did this, I'm not only going to give you wisdom more than anyone, I'll give you riches. And I mean, he got really wealthy really quick. Things happened fast for him. The kingdom just went light years from where David had it. You read how much gold. they People just began to bring gold to Solomon. I mean, when God moves, he moves. How many of you know when, when, when God begins to operate, he does? Solomon had no idea. God was beginning to stir this one and this one and this one, and they would bring boatloads, literally, boatloads of gold to Solomon just to bring it to him. Sometimes when God's on your side, you just can't help but just smiling and saying, Hallelujah. Well, watch what happens though. Solomon started out so right. And he went so wrong, and it started in his heart. It started in his heart. It started in his flesh. He began began to drift away. Look what happens here in verse number 1. 1 Kings 11, verse number 1. 
But King Solomon, now I, I will remind you, Solomon's the one that wrote Ecclesiastes 1.8, right? The eye never full, ear always hears. The King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidians, and Hittites. Of the nations concerning the Lord said unto the children of Israel, You shall not go into them, neither shall they come into you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. Well, I'll just say this. He didn't love God with all his heart. He began to love what was forbidden. He began to awaken a carnal nature. He, and, and any person that begins to awaken a carnal nature will begin to serve the flesh. Will begin to serve the flesh. If you don't keep that flesh crucified, whatever it is, and we're talking about love interest, but it could be money, it could be, it could be anything. It could be an iPhone, it could be a boat, it could be a job. It could be your appearance in the mirror. Some people are just, you know, look how pretty I am. It could be anything. Whatever it is that is more important to us than God is a problem. It must be crucified. It said that Solomon clave unto these in love. In other words, he lost his first love. Lord forbid that we have. God forbid that we've heard these things. You know these things. You know that you're not supposed to leave your first love. You know your first love is supposed to be God. But that flesh, that flesh will reason with you. Because you deserve this. You deserve this. In God's time, He might bring something down the road, but you deserve this. That, that, That flesh is a liar. Because that flesh is in opposition to what God is doing in us. That's why a, a season like we're in right now is so dangerous because it, it, it's so consumeristic. It's so consumeristic, everybody's about more, more, more. More food, more gifts, more people, more memories, more emotions. It's all about more of that instead of more Jesus. I don't know about you, but all those things never did me any good. What I need is Jesus. And that's what we all need. Now watch this. He says in verse number, it says that Solomon clave unto these in love. That was it. It was in love. He gave his heart over to the things he was not supposed to give his heart over. And if you, likewise, if you give your heart over to the things that are not God, you will likewise find yourself serving your flesh too. Look what happens in verse 3. And he had 700 wives. Not 70. Not 7. Not 2. 700 wives. Princesses. And 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. You know, when he said that the eye is not satisfied, he meant it. He never got satisfied. Once you begin to awaken the flesh and you begin to drift away from God, there's no bottom. The ditch is deep. 
The darkness is vast. We have to understand this. That if we don't have our flesh crucified unto God, there is perdition and destruction awaiting. It's not that we go into timeout. I mean, his life got wrecked. In fact, God took the kingdom away from his family. He let it go on to his son and that was it. The heritage that God had intended for this family was, was tragically wrecked because of Solomon's lust. He awakened the flesh. And, and that's a warning for all of us. If we give ourselves over to the flesh too much, the flesh is dangerous. And if we give ourselves over to the flesh too much, it can lead us to destruction. It says that his wives turned away his heart. They didn't steal his money. They didn't even steal his kingdom. They just took his heart off of God. They took his heart off of God. What is it that can take our hearts off of God? It says in verse 4, For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. Now listen very closely. Those things, those wives, he opened his eyes. He didn't allow his flesh to be satisfied with the wife that God gave him. He didn't allow his flesh to be satisfied with God's order. What happened was he aroused the flesh. The flesh was never satisfied. And he found himself worshiping false gods. The God who gave him a kingdom and the God who gave him wisdom and the God who gave him riches, his flesh turned him away from that same God and he began to worship all the gods of the nations around them. And you can read the rest of this chapter later, but he began to do exactly the things that God prohibited. He began to offer sacrifices to these idols. Forbidden things. Because his flesh took over. His flesh took over. Well, we're not just going to pick on Solomon because all of us could say that. Amen? All of us are likely to turn away from God if we don't keep that flesh crucified and buffeted unto Him. We need God. Amen? We need to keep our hearts surrendered to God. Now more than ever. Once you begin to turn to God, once you begin to walk in the Spirit, you become a target for the enemy. Watch this. Turn with me to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Yes, indeed. What's the answer? What is the answer? Crucified life. That's the answer. What does it mean to be crucified? All those things, the love of the world, the love of the things in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, all those things, the things of the world, those things have to be crucified, offered. Now, 
I'm going to read you this passage and then one more I want to show you before we close. Look in, in Romans chapter 6, verse 5. Paul said this. He said, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, whose death? Jesus' death. Did Jesus die? Did he die? Come on now. Did he do a swan song or did he die? He, it says, uh, it, when he was on the cross, it says that he gave up the ghost, didn't it? Yeah, he gave up the ghost. He, he let go of that life that he had. He let it go. He gave up the ghost. He said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Right? He let go. So do we. We have to let go. He let go. We have to say, Lord, into thy hands I commit my flesh. Lord, I'm not my own anymore. I'm giving all of me over to you. Look what it says. It says, for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, that's that committing, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. He came up out of that a different body, spiritual body. Amen? Able to walk through walls. He, he, he came out of that tomb, the same person but a different body. Guess what? You got the same body, but you're a different person. How about that? We're going to have the same body till the Lord calls us home, but we're made a new person. That's how God has it. So we can identify with his death. We can identify with that because just like he gave up that natural body and he was resurrected with that new body, we likewise, we surrender our spirit. We surrender our flesh and God makes us a new creature. And watch what happens next. It says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. The power of sin is broken when your flesh is crucified unto God. The power of sin is nullified when you go to the cross and you surrender all. The grip of the devil, the grip of sin, the grip of death has no more power over you. And if you understand that, if you understand that, you can navigate through this time. Now, we have to remain crucified unto God because if we don't, if we don't, like he said over there in Galatians, that there's this, this battle between the flesh and the Spirit. If you walk in the flesh, you cannot please God. But if you walk in the Spirit, if you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You can't do both. You can't do both. And so God's calling us to this place where we re-identify with that crucified nature, where we come back to that cross and reassess the things of this world and, 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 and ask the Lord, are there things that my flesh has just drifted into? Have I given myself over to too much food or too much TV? Have I given myself over to too much this or too much that? Have I begun to put anything above my love for you? And you know what? God is good because He knows what we don't. There's sometimes that we're oblivious even to the things that we've done. 
But if we'll stop and ask the Holy Spirit to put His finger on it, His arm isn't short. He can reach down and He can put His finger on that issue. Sometimes when I pray, I say, Lord, I don't even know what the problem is. And then His finger goes, oh, okay. Okay. The greatest thing we can do is say, Lord, search me. Search me. Try me. See if there's any wicked way in me. Is there any place in my flesh where I'm beginning to to indulge it instead of crucify it? Now, this is is important. This is important because this, this model is New Testament Christianity. This is not just one verse. This is not just one verse out of context. This is New Testament Christianity. It doesn't work if our flesh is not crucified unto God. You cannot please the flesh and God at the same time. Go back in 1 John 2. That's what happened. He said you can't love the world and God at the same time. Now, let me close. This is one of my favorite verses in Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Hallelujah. So Galatians chapter 6, look at verse number 8. It says, For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap... Time out. Slap on the hand. What? Corruption. You know what corruption is? Decay, rot, death. Corruption is when things break away, when things fall apart, when there's no strength of life in it anymore. When it says that if you sow to the flesh, you'll love the flesh, reap corruption, what it means is when you go down that road, you're going to have to pay the cost. If you allow your heart to come off of God, and, and, and you, look, the devil will never tell you to just turn away from God. He'll just bring God down a notch and bring something else up a little bit higher. But you can't serve God and flesh at the same time. And if you sow to that flesh... There's a consequence for it, and that consequence is corruption. Now look what he says. It says, uh, shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And that's God's plan for you. There's victory there. We read it over there in Romans 6. I'll drop down to verse 14. Here we go. Paul says here, but God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Paul sets this up, and he explicitly explains what John was teaching in 1 John chapter 2, that you cannot have the world and God at the same time. He said that this world is crucified to him, meaning that God eliminated its power and its authority over you. And likewise, he said, me to it. In other words, God separated the power of the world, its stronghold, its grip over me, and I likewise have severed my love for it to God. God removes the power when we remove the love for it. That's what Paul's teaching here, this principle right here. 
It is crucified to us. If you give your heart to God and you crucify that flesh unto Him, God will crucify the power of the world to you. There is, the Bible says in another place, greater is He that's in us than He that's in this world. There is no power, no demonic entity. There is no power of the devil. There is nothing that the enemy can do against God's people. Even with the story of Balaam, he said, I cannot curse what God has blessed. The enemy cannot curse what God's hand is on. But if we begin to set ourselves up in love for the world, we'll find ourselves in a place where God's power is not on us. He said there's two crucifies there. The world has been crucified to me. And I to it. And I to it. What, a, what a, an awesome conjunction. It has no power over the believer. No more. Look, just like in, in the Bible, whenever a family became, be, began to serve God, God would separate its past. You could have a family of alcoholics. You could have a family of dirty, rotten scoundrels. You could have mass murderers in your family history. You could have some, some rotten things in there. But when you become God's, everything changes. God can give your family a new beginning. God can give your family a new meaning. God can give your family a new purpose. God can do a new work in you. And if you'll begin to serve God, God will separate the power of the natural world from you. And you to it. And look at this next verse in closing. He said, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. Circumcision and uncircumcision, he's talking about the law. And he's saying it don't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. It don't matter if you think that you can keep this or do that. What matters is that you've been made new. That's what matters. It doesn't matter if you've got your name on a card at a church. It doesn't matter if you serve in the nursery. It don't matter if you sing in the choir. It don't matter if you give all that you have to the poor and give your home to people and feed people. It don't matter. What matters is that you are a new creature. You can have perfect attendance at church and poor attendance in the prayer closet. And I promise you, God is more in, in, in impressed when you go to that prayer closet and you give your heart afresh to Him and become a new creature. And then God will work with you on that church attendance. But God wants first things first. And the first thing is the most important thing, and that is our love for the Father. Our love for our Abba. Our love for God Almighty. God, God, His desire is to make all things new in us. And this, this season that we're in right now, we have to be careful. Because the flesh is a liar. The flesh wants to keep you away from the power of God. The flesh wants you to keep thinking that you can paddle on both sides of the boat. But you can't. 